we are recording. Hello, Vineyard. Hello, Vineyard. It's great to uh, have you guys see us. We can't see you at this given moment. We're yes, just looking no. at a camera. What's good to see you, Dad? How you doing? Good I'm good, thank you. Good to see you as well. Good to be here. We had a uh, good weekend this weekend. Podcast, yeah, it was a great weekend. Considering it's the it's the Middle summer. Of June. Yeah, we uh, <laughs> we're we're doing uh, we're doing well and happy about that. Um, yeah, it's good. I you know. Still, like I I know I say every week, we're busy. We've been staying busy with lots of projects and things happening. Those are all very good things, but it's very good to be here um, today and to spend a little bit of time with you and answer some questions and hear about what's coming up. So, uh, So there you go. Yeah. So our podcast, we answer the Vine Press questions. You can ask the questions uh, about anything, you know, whether it's the sermon, your devotionals, um, life questions, backstory questions. I mean, you could. I don't know if you really want to or not, but you could if you wanted to. Whatever comes Uh, (laughs) through, we'll we'll give it a whirl. And you can get there from the app, the Keys Vineyard Church app, which I would encourage you to download and give it some five-star reviews on the uh, Apple App Store. I'm not on the Google Play Store, but, you know, if you're on there, you know, five stars there too. But uh, anyway, let's go ahead and get to the questions now that we're past the shameless advertising segment of the podcast. Did you tell them they had to have the app? Well, they they would know that. And, you know, I'm going to guess that if they're watching this, they've probably probably downloaded the app. So, but anyway, thank you if you have downloaded it. Good. Put it on your, like, first page. It should be before, like, Snapchat, Instagram, and Facebook. Yes. Go to the app. It is on my phone, so. Good. Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. I, I, you know, I think I said to (laughs) folks the other day, uh, I don't remember where I've, too many places I'm speaking, Um, uh, that they, if, the, before you start your day, you know, jumping onto Facebook or onto Instagram or any of the other things, go and do one of the prayer times off of the, uh, off of the app, you know, and I put the daily offices in there. Start with that and then go do those things. I just think you'll feel better about it. Definitely. uh, Because, you know, you can get lost on the Facebook pretty easy. To lose lots half of an stupid hour, videos on hour, there, but they, yeah. they know which ones you like. They're all poorly made, yeah. but they're entertaining. So, yeah, okay. Anyway, now after that uh, bit of exhortation, exhortation, not judgment, definitely not judgment. No, we are going to uh, ask and answer your questions. So here we go. Uh, as this person was finishing up their New Testament read through, they were a little confused by a mention in Jude about the archangel Gabriel in a dispute with the devil over Moses' body. And they're referencing uh, verses 8 and 9. They kept reading it in context, but they're still not really sure how that ties in. Can you help them understand what's going on there? Yes. No. I think it's... And it's... It's Michael. Because um, I had to go and read it too. And and so when you in Michael, it's, they're talking about in Jude. Is they're talking about Michael, right? And then the reference different is Gabriel. Michael's involved in something else back in Daniel, and Gabriel gets involved. But it's easy to get them all kind of confused. And um, some angelic dude. It's very yeah. It is, and it's a strange thing too because um, what's the dispute over Moses, Moses' body? And the the answer is we don't know because the Bible doesn't tell us. Um, and so there's different theories out there. Uh, about what it means, and um, uh, I honestly think it's in there because, in context, as you were saying, that the um, the reality is that um, so it's a it's a we're in a battle, right? 
And, um, and the enemy is very real, and we're, we need to be aware of that. But the way that we do battle against the enemy is that we bring people into the kingdom. That's how we win against the enemy. And so we want to be very careful that we're not thinking that our battle is... Um, horizontal. No, vertical. Our battle is horizontal. So the way that we're... The weapons of our warfare, everything we do, the way that we have um, impact against the enemy is that we bring people out of darkness into light. It's, the Holy Spirit leads us. We, we go and we get people saved, right? That's how we, we engage. Well, we want to be careful that we don't think we can start going after these demonic beings because um, that's, I think, not our calling. And, and not that we don't have more authority than they do because our authority is in Christ and we absolutely do. But we, there's a difference in how these sort of realms operate. And so we're, we're going to leave um, that sort of battle to the angels that are set up for it. And what we're going to do is engage in our battle, which is we need to be aware that these things exist, that these forces exist, that they're out there. But the way that we battle against them is to not give way to them, not yield to those forces. And also, um, you know, on purpose, we go after the the lost uh, and bring them from darkness into light. That's how we engage in battle. So um, I just think that we need to be careful. I think that sometimes people... mm, sort of misunderstand that and start attacking um, these demonic powers in ways that probably we shouldn't. So, you know, for me, the way that we go after them is we displace them by bringing truth into the situation and rescuing people from darkness and moving light. And I I really think that's the context in Jude. It's really just about getting this battle sort of um, better understood, our, our part, and the way that we move into it. All right. Thank you for that question. Next one. Uh, before you became a pastor, husband, and father, can you recall a monumental time or more of when God used circumstances, other people, or his word to get your attention and bring you back to him? Sort of like he did for Israel during the reign of Darius the Mede? Mede? Mede. 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 That's <laughs> all good. Yeah. Um, so... You know, before uh, I was a pastor and a dad um, and a husband, uh, I didn't know Jesus. So, so he, di- so he didn't bring me ha- back to him. As sort of, so, but did he use some events to bring me to him? Yes, and they, they were there were some pretty big events in my life um, that I've talked about, and I don't have you know. They, the stories are long enough, some of them, that I can't really do it and answer the question. But let me say this. Um, there was one instance in particular where when I was 19, didn't know Jesus, I was involved in a uh, workplace accident. And um, uh, I, I was rescued by an angelic being. How about that? And uh, I, And I didn't have context for it. So, but it was very, very real and um, significant. And um, the, I was friends with somebody at the time who was a strong believer. And I, I've talked about him from time to time. Uh, his name was Bob Miller. He's the guy who gave me a sandwich. Remember when I was hungry? And then always gave me a sandwich at lunch and invited me to his home. Well, um, he talked to me after this accident at work where, where unfortunately someone had died and a lot of people ended up in the hospital. And I was 
I was miraculously fine. Um, we spent that night really, um, he took me into the scripture and explained it to me really well. He did a, 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 a fantastic job of presenting the gospel. Um, and it was late that night and he asked me, um, you know, if I wanted to give my life to Jesus. And I, part of me did, but part of the, the reason that I didn't, and I didn't, I, I didn't that night. The reason that I didn't was I couldn't figure out how Christians had any fun. And um, I was like, wow, I'm a, you know, 19-year-old male, and I like to go out and party, and, you know, what, what is that going to look like? Because I, no, I had no context. I had no, no, like, no, didn't really know anybody that was a Christian except for this um, one guy. And so I, I declined. And he, um, he, he, he gave me his Bible that moment. It's a big Bible. And I have his Bible still. I don't have much from that time period, but I have that Bible. It's fascinating how that's made it with me. And, oh, spring forward five or six years, um, I, I ended up in a Bible study that I didn't want to be at. Um, and uh, I had this thought in the midst of it, Huh. And I remembered everything that had happened six years before. And so it was later that evening when I, I sort of said, Jesus, if you're real, I'm yours. And things began to change for me significantly. Um, so, so, yeah, that was a huge movement of, of God in my life. Uh, and, and, and so, yes, and, and he has you know, done lots of things over the course of my life. But that was significant in bringing me to him. Um, very cool thing. Did I say this last week? That guy, Bob Miller, who I'd lost touch with, contacted me. Did I mention that in the podcast? I don't know if you mentioned it in the podcast. But yeah, uh, he contacted yeah. me on Facebook, and we had a brief discussion, and we're, we're going to be talking again soon. And that was, that, that's, a, that's a miracle to me. He's doing well, loves Jesus. Um, and so God is cool how he brings those things together. And I took a picture of that Bible he gave me and sent it to him. It, he got all teared up because <laughs> he was like, wow. So, so yes, so that's a good question, and um, God does move in our lives and graciously gives us many opportunities. Well, his testimony, he just sort of kept pounding the rock. You know, that's like a, a basketball thing. You just keep taking close shots until you get it in. Sometimes that's what ministry's like. You just have to keep pounding the rock. You may not always break it, but every swing gets you a little closer, mm-hmm. you know. So that's always a great story. Yep. All right, next one. In Isaiah chapter 38, what did God mean when he instructed Hezekiah to put his house in order? Do you think he actually did put his house in order before he finally died? You know, Hezekiah, that's, he's fascinating because Hezekiah was a pretty good king. And he came from bad stock, right? I'm pretty sure his father was Ahab, uh, was an awful king. And his son is Manasseh, who was worse. So... Um, Hezekiah really does a pretty good job of being king. He has one, he kind of blows it towards the end. He makes a bad decision. Um, For whatever reason, it could be pride or whatever, the Babylonians show up with a gift, and then he shows them everything that Israel has, everything that he's got. Hezekiah has, he just lets them see everything. And Isaiah, who was the prophet at the time, goes and says, well, what'd you do that for? And he said, now they're going to lose it all, but not in your lifetime. Hezekiah was like, well, at least it won't be in my lifetime. It's not a great deal. That's a very normal answer. Uh, yeah, well, at least well, it's not my problem. At least I'm, yeah, whatever. <laughs> Manasseh's a troublemaker anyway. Um, did he put his house in order? You know, he was, and he was actually pretty good about, he really put a lot of the house of Israel back together because he got rid of high plates. He did a lot of really good things. 
And so you, you have to do that. I think when he was told to get a house in order, that was a, a way of saying, because um, he was sick, hey, you're, you're almost done. Get your house, you know, get whatever you need to do, get it done. And then, um, and then he, you know, there's a, there's a break in that, and he gets another 15 years or something. So uh, hopefully he was paying attention and putting his house in order. But it was in that time when he kind of has this mess up. So um, I think, you know, we're really supposed to be living trying to keep, in effect, our house in order. We're supposed to live like um, Jesus could come back today, right now. And at the same time, we're supposed to live like he could, he could tarry for quite a while yet and, and live in that balance. So we kind of are supposed to be living on the ready and as believers. And so I, I think, you know, that's, a, that's an important thing. Um, but anyway, very interesting question. And I, there's another one about Hezekiah here in a second. So, uh, but good pickup as you were uh, reading through Isaiah. All right, yeah. It's, uh, we go back to Isaiah 37, this person was reading, that includes Hezekiah's prayer and the death of 185,000 men in the Assyrian camp. They were interested to discover that this was also recorded in 2 Kings 19 and 2 Chronicles 32. Why do you think that this particular passage in Scripture was included in three separate parts of the Old Testament. Are there other Scriptures that stand out in order for them to be duplicated in other parts of the Bible? Good good pickup, yes. Um, I did a little Google search just because I knew there was a lot of them, and uh, in this one search that I looked at, there's 235 verses that appear in multiple places in the Scripture, like where they're shared. Usually it's in two different places, but... Sometimes it could be in three. Um, uh, why is that? So sometimes it's different authors who are sort of writing about the same time period. And so certain events are being recorded more than once. You have that. Sometimes um, one author might be borrowing from another author. They might have had uh, the you know availability of something that the person had written and, and re- added it into what they were writing as well. Um, there's a lot of stuff in the Psalms that are like that, um, and throughout, you know, Chronicles and Kings, you, it, and there are certain historical events that get recorded more than once. So, uh, I think it's, you know, it's it's very reasonable. Is it there, you know, because it's that important three times? It, you know, it was a big deal, right? And, and it sort of models for us, because Hezekiah was, it, it, it's um, it's a picture of... They, there was no way in the natural they were coming through this, and Hezekiah prays. And it's, it shows about how important it is for us to be praying and seeking God. And we should be doing that all the time, not just as a last resort. And, and, and I think a lot of times we leave prayer as sort of a last resort instead of realizing it should be the first thing all the time. You know, you should just be what you're going to naturally in everything, even if it, you know, praying and praying and praying. And so I, I think it might um, be demonstrating the power of prayer in there. And so it gets recorded uh, multiple times, but there are, like I said, at least two hundred and thirty-five verses that are um, more than more than once in the Bible. So, pretty good, you know, sixty-six books, right? Uh, Forty different authors over a couple of thousand-year period. You're going to get some stuff that cross-referenced was, deemed, was yeah. deemed worthy of being written down more than once. So good, great question, good pickup. Yeah, awesome. Next one, uh, alongside Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they do. Uh, or for, th- for they know not what they do. Sorry, the phrasing was wrong, but I did say, you know, the right meaning at the end there. Father, into your hands I commend my spirit, and today you will be with me in paradise. 
what are the remaining quotes recorded to us by the witnesses of Jesus' death on the cross? Good. Seven last words of Jesus. Um, you got three of them. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Today you'll be with me in paradise. The second one. Third one. Woman, behold thy son. Behold thy mother. Fourth one. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Fifth one. I thirst. Sixth one. It is finished. And the seventh one. Father, into thy hands I commit my spirit. So those are the last words. Great. Um, uh, you know, I don't know how many Good Friday services you've been to, but but generally the last seven words of Christ are the topic, and so there's a lot written about them. But those are the seven things that uh, are recorded for us that he said. And each is, each means has a lot of different meanings that you can go into. But good stuff. Great question. A couple more. Uh, this person is still reading in De- Deuteronomy, and uh, in Deuteronomy chapter 9, Moses had been on the mountain for 40 days and 40 nights without eating or drinking. Then he comes down and he sees a golden calf and falls down before God for 40 days and nights without eating or drinking. Uh, There's so many places in the Bible about either 40 days or 40 years. They always wondered if the number 40 has some special significance and if it was to be taken literally. Um, Yes and no. So let me say that. So yeah, 40, that 40 number does seem to be used with, you know, 40 days, 40 years, um, uh, and I, I th- a lot of times it w- I think it's a it's a pushback to the forty years in the wilderness. Um, I, we'll we'll look at that. You know, Jesus' temptation was forty days. I'll actually be talking about that this week at church. Um, so so yeah, and and so a lot of people think that that w- those offering those are sort of testing periods. That forty could be a time of of uh, sort of uh, you know a testing or. A, uh, trial, um, perhaps those could be in there. But I say yes, and then I also say, but don't don't get too heavily involved in that. Some people get into um, numerology in the Bible and get get off track. Um, so forty could have a significance, or it could just be a number, and both are possible. Be careful that be, make sure you do that because because sometimes it could mean something more, but it may not. And and um, uh, too often I see people get. Um, sidetracked because they get so focused on Bible numerology that they, they're making things happening, they're trying to make things happen that just aren't there. So be careful when you do it. But yeah, when you see something like that, it's worth a look, and it's a good pickup, and 40 does happen and often is a trial, a period of trial or testing that goes on that we can look at. Um, so good, good question. Awesome. Yeah, sometimes the, the number stuff is cool. To, to look at, you know, when, when things line up, you know. Yeah, again, but then, you know, we've seen where people go like, way too far with yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Like, like there's yeah. this one video online of this lady with a monster energy can, and she's doing all this numerology stuff. So <laughs> we won't, I won't quote that video anymore, but it's just, you know, take it for what it is. Right? There are some amazing things in the scripture, but, but we want to get what's there and not read stuff in it that's not there because we get caught up on a tangent. Right. And so, you know, a lot of times people try and, and um, date specific things and and they they're often wrong because you can't tie it always in like that. All right, we've got one more question. Looks like a good one. Uh, this person's been thinking about Luke twenty four, uh, verse twenty, and how Jesus said the Emmaus. Am I pronouncing that correctly? Okay, disciples were foolish and slow of heart to believe the prophets. 
how are we or people nowadays foolish as well? Stop, okay, let me because there's more than yeah, one question. So in this, I'm going to so, break this one up. Yeah, so I'll, I'll, let me answer that one. Um, how are we foolish too? Yeah, well, yeah I think um, uh, we don't. I want to say this kindly. So I would say one of the things that we've allowed to happen is that a lot of times as believers, there's a lot of believers who love God all in, who have not read the Bible. And I think that's foolish. So uh, I want to say that carefully. Um, and, you know, and so my encouragement has been for as long as I can remember, read the Bible, read the Bible, read the Bible. I, I, I say it every week, read the Bible, you know, you, you got to get, you got to know Jesus. I, I say that all the time. And you should be reading your Bible like all the time. And you should be praying. These are things that as believers we should do. But culturally, we can get sidetracked very easily. We can spend a lot of time not reading the Bible because we're, oh, we're too busy. There's no time. And yet we make time for all sorts of other things. Um, and so I would say that's a little foolish that you have the most amazing book ever written. Uh, and you have multiple copies of it, and you can get it on your phone and on your <laughs> iPad and anywhere you turn. And, you know, if you, you could have somebody read it to you, I mean, you know, the, they're, and yet we don't. So I would say that was foolish. Um, and, um, but, and let me say the reason behind that is I, there's a high, I think there's a high level of attack on you reading the Bible. Um, it's, it's one of the big ones that we face, and we're just not aware of it, and so we... We don't we don't fight it hard enough when we give into it. So we so um, so it's we don't know what's in there, and we've sort of limited ourselves to the things, even as believers, that we've been taught, um, or that people go over and over. And the, and the problem is that there's there's no way, as someone who teaches, um, there's no way I can cover it all. There's just no way. Um, and you know. And, you know, there, there, there be, there's things that become, to me, like the most important things, and so I get to them a lot, um, that try and, you know, cover as much as we can. But the, it's, it's foolish not to read the Bible for yourself a lot uh, as a believer, in my opinion. I'm, and I'm not going, fools, fools, um, <laughs> read it. Uh, you know, uh, it's, it's, it, it's, it's 80 hours to read the Bible. At least every year you should be reading it. It's 80 hours. You know, it's, it's, it's just not that big a time, right? Uh, you know, so, um, so dig into it. And uh, is it 80 hours now? I don't, now, I'm, now I'm confused. That seems a little low. It's it, low. It is, I mean, it's still a big book. What did I used to tell the number? Because if you do half hour a day, no, 15 minutes a day, it could be eight hours. 15 minutes a day, six days a week. Uh, is an uh, hour and a half. Yeah, it is 80 hours. If you did 15 minutes a day, you could read through the Bible in a year. So I have to question myself sometimes because it doesn't seem like a big chunk of number, but it is. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, so, so read the Scripture. Good, good question. Go ahead. What's the next one? All right. Uh, is there a significance in how many days, uh, seven days, the people of God were to eat bread without yeast during the Feast of Unleavened Bread? Yeah, uh, and I think technically, um, if I read it right, it starts that day, so they go eight days, um, and it, it's, I, I think it was significant in that they were to, um, 
not just rush through it. You know, some, like a one-day thing, eh. But um, they were to really think about what was going on for seven days. You know, it symbolized them. Not, they had to get out of Egypt in a hurry. And, um, but, you know, for us, I, I think as believers now, um, you know, we, we, it's a, it's, and obviously we're not required to keep the feast um, like they were. Um, but we should be aware of them. I, just that it's significant to think about uh, what Jesus has done for us. And, and what he has done um, to uh, deal with sin, you know, to, to come in and defeat the power of sin once and for all. The, the, the leaven sort of is a, uh, the unleavening, you know, there's a picture of that in sin, how it works through things. Um, so I just think when there's more than a day, it was to make sure they took some time and really did think about what was going on. And that, uh, so that's a, that's a good question, though. And lastly, when you said that we are waiting for the trumpet's feast, it made me made this person think of 1 Thessalonians 4.16. Should we take this passage as literal as to that we will actually audibly hear not only the trumpet call of God, but also the voice of the archangel? Yeah, I would think so. I think... Uh, my bad trumpet. Just Phil Driscoll starts playing. Yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, I would imagine, you know, when, when, uh, when the end of the harvest is over, this big harvest that we're waiting on, there's some significant events that take place. And, uh, I, I think that, um, it will tie in a lot of things. So, uh, yeah, I think, you know, in, in Jewish tradition, it seems to me that when the groom was coming for the bride, he would try and sneak in at night uh, to uh, it was part of the part of all the celebration and stuff, but I think they 'd blow a trumpet then too, and uh, she could come running out because she should be ready because she would know about um, so uh, yeah i i I think you'll you'll hear it um, uh, as a believer, I think you'll hear it now there's a lot of events that go on there, and people that you know in first Thessalonians four they there's all sorts of ways to look at the events that are happening there. But um, yes, as a believer, I, I think things start happening. And I also think that those those are going to happen like that, 5, 6, and 7. Um, so boom, trumpets, atonement, tabernacles, boom. Like boom, boom, boom. So um, so there you go. So yeah, um, be listening for the trumpet. I don't, and I, but I don't think you can miss it. If you're a believer, you're... It's not like that you hear, even if you can't hear, you'll hear it. Yeah. I mean, what? Huh? <laughs> did, you, did you hear something? Was that you, an F major? Yeah. yeah so. <laughs> <laughs> the musician brain. Um, okay. So are you ready? Part 11 coming up this weekend. Just give us a small sneak peek. We had a lot of good questions there. Luke 4. Um, Jesus goes into the synagogue in Nazareth, takes a scroll of Isaiah, reads it, Isaiah 61 and verses 1, and, and then stops before verse 2, which is pretty cool. But they're not happy about it. And I'm going to talk about why. So, uh, if, so if you want, 
read Luke 4 and then read Isaiah 61 to 62, uh, 61 verses 1 and 2, and then maybe you'll, you'll, you'll have a question, uh, you know, ready when you, when you come. But it, I think it's pretty fascinating. And, you know, they were so mad at Jesus, they tried to throw him off a cliff. And uh, that was his hometown. That was not much of a reception. Yeah, no. <laughs> but he, it's, it's really cool. It's really important. Well, uh, I'd say that every week. This is an important week, like they all are. But in really in, in uh, sort of uh, getting us prepared and understanding our lives and the battle that we're called into, um, what it looks like. So, yeah, come. Awesome. Worship this weekend will be good, too. Uh, we're doing the new one we've been doing a few weeks back, Heaven Invade. It's a Carrie Job song. It's a lot of fun to play. And then uh, Pastor Billy will be doing How Great Is Our God. So you'll be able to, I, I would hope, if you're going to sing along to one song, you would sing along to that one. If that's How Great. That, that one. Yeah. And then uh, I'll be doing the Elevation song, Here Again. It's a great song. And then Angie is ending us with It Is Well. So we're doing the uh, the Bethel song from a few years ago, and we'll no, yeah, I like that one. We'll tag on the hymn. Uh, that's the one end. of my favorite songs. So we're well, we're doing it. So well, I appreciate that. Good for you. Thank you guys so much for joining us for this uh, Vine Press Hello Vineyard podcast. You know, keep downloading the app, all that good stuff. Join us for church this weekend, Saturday night, eight, nine thirty, and eleven. It'll be busy well, but good. Saturday is, night like is not eight, nine thirty, and eleven. Well, no, Saturday night. Sunday at 8, 9, 30, and 11. Thank you. I didn't. I would yeah, hate yeah. for people to be confused. What are they doing? I, Three services late on Saturday yeah, night. Yeah, I don't think I, anybody wants to be here Saturday at 11. <laughs> I don't. I want to be in bed. Me so, too. Sound asleep. <laughs> he goes to bed at like 7. Well, not, Unless it's Saturday. Not Saturday night. Then yeah, it's 9. Then, you, then you're that's up That's about late. as quick that's, as I can get. Well, 9. It's the weekend. It's party time. Yeah. Right? All right. So thank you guys so much. We will see you soon. Goodbye, Vineyard.